from zoom so you know if you have uh, you hear some like middle what staticky whatever whatever problems that wi-fi might have so we'll repeat it for you and things kind of get together but just uh bear with us to start us off man we have starting off with some mvp talk um with a lot of the front runners being out uh for missing a lot of games you know we had uh, lebron of course missing a lot of a few games and all the low management from other players and other teams but the front runners right now are we're hearing Nikola Jokic, CP3, and Embiid. All right, so Will, for you, who do you think and who are you feeling right now? Oh, and Steph. We can't even forget about Steph. Yeah, yeah, we we have a couple. You know, Giannis is up there too again. Um, I think mm. his his odds are a little, uh, you know, not flawed. Well, actually, yes, flawed. Uh, they are flawed just <clears throat> because once you win – Winning the MVP back to back is one thing. Um, you know, a three peat is something that LeBron could have done multiple times, and politically, they just didn't give it to him. Um, very political award. Uh, you know, there's, yeah, like you said, we've lost LeBron out of it um, due to the ankle injury. And obviously, Harden was right there three weeks ago uh, until the hamstring injury. Uh, but yeah. I think it's fair to say that the Jokic is 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 leading the race. Uh, you know, I, he showed it last night. You know, twenty point. Uh, you know, it's actually thirty two point, going twelve for twenty eight, uh, nine rebounds, five assists. Kind of a nightly thing for him. Uh, I think the only knock that you can give Nicola is uh, some in- inconsistency on defense. <laughs> Sensational. I think uh I, I think and and Nicole Nicole will be the first person to tell you that. Uh he says he emulates guys like Marcus Saul, um trying to work on his defense. But uh listen, I think I think to to tell you why Nicole is all of a sudden jumped, I think when you look back at the Jamal Murray injury. Like an ACL that put him out for the year, and yeah. um, it's gonna it's gonna go into next year too. Uh, you know, I think that gave Jokic the. I think it, it obviously didn't free him up. It's gonna hurt them in the playoffs. It wasn't good for for Nicola. He just got a lot more looks and was able to just take over. And he's, uh, you know, he's carried this team to. You know, he's going to carry him to a good seat in the playoff. They haven't lost a step um, is what I'm trying to get at. Uh, so, uh, you know, Denver, uh, you know, all Denver betters that that have them uh, going deep in the playoffs. I uh, certainly think Joker can get him through one or two rounds. It's going to be tough when they have to beat LeBron in, in, uh, in a six-game or seven-game series. No, nah, yeah, I definitely agree with you. So, the way I feel about Jokic is, you know, like you said, he's blowing up 
out of the Jamal Murray injury. Not saying that that was a good thing for the team to, for the team at all. It's always a bad thing when you lose somebody so dynamic like that, right? And such firepower going into the and going into the playoffs. It's, it kind of hurts whenever you lose any kind of weapon. But for him to do what he's doing w- without somebody like that, and in the West when the West is is loaded right now, uh, it's it's phenomenal. Um, and I'll say since we're talking MVP candidates, it's just yeah. We'll we'll, we'll run down the line. We'll just I mean uh, yeah. We'll run we'll run down the line. Yeah, and so since we're talking uh, MVP, I mentioned this last episode. Uh, of course, Nicole, yeah, I want to say I almost really want to say he just has it, but I cannot ignore what CP3 has done with the Phoenix Suns. Right? It's it's the Chris Paul thing. You're automatically a playoff team if you got Chris Paul on your team, and so like I say, he's your loaded gun, and um, Devin Booker and. Um, I forgot uh, the other player. His name yeah, escapes De- me. DeAndre Aiden. DeAndre Aiden. Those are your bullets, man. And so um, what he's been able to do with them and maximize everything that that team has is they haven't made the playoffs. In, I think, if I remember right, 15 years. And so Chris Paul gets there in the first season, and they're they're running the West. Those are my top two. Jokic, I put Jokic a little bit ahead of Chris Paul, but the gap is is – it's ever closing. It's, it closes almost by the by the game. So, um, just for me, like I said, I'll put Jokic first, but only by a hair above Chris Paul. Yeah, I, I um, you know, there's certainly the factor that Chris Paul has. Chris Paul came to Phoenix, and you know, you know, the last time that that the Suns made the playoffs, Chris Paul was was their floor general, and now they have the point guard and Chris Paul. Uh, at 36 years old, you know, taking him to the playoffs and and obviously uh, one of the more consistent teams all season in terms of injury luck uh, and just consistent play. And and there's no one else to look to uh, to credit that than Chris Paul. Uh, you know, everyone has improved on the floor uh, because of him, whether it's Devin Booker, whether it's Aiden uh, and, and even – you know, even backup young point guards like like Javon Carter um, ha- have improved. And, and you know, if, if Booker and Aiden obviously stay together in the long run, uh, this is the year that they're going to look back on and 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 remember, you know, who they became because of CP3. You know, in, in terms of stats, I mean, I, look, I'm I'm right with you. Uh, with uh, I I think the reason that I like. CP3 so much is obviously, you know, coming into a team, like you said, that hasn't made a run in so long. And, and it wasn't like they just snuck in there, you know, they're, they've taken over the West. Yeah, no. They're legit. You know, they can, I think there's a real case that they can compete in a seven game series with, with the Lakers, you know, pending how healthy LeBron and AD get. Um, Cause we're definitely, we're going to, we're definitely going to, you know, touch on some injury stuff later. The one thing in terms of, you know, Jokic that's really, that really sticks out is everyone in the MVP race uh, shoots a worse three ball. Or let me, let me rephrase that. Nicola has the best three point percentage uh, in, in the MVP race. <laughs> and, and that's over some candidates like obviously CP three, uh, Jimmy Butler, Luka Doncic, Kawhi, uh, 
you know, Joel and Giannis. Uh, I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's just around 40%. It's just, I mean, it's pretty unbelievable uh, what he's doing. Um, I, I think some one more name to touch on just because I think he's been so underrated for so many years. I, I mean, not that he's going to, I think it's pretty safe to say he's not going to win, but um, you know, what, what Julius Randall has done for the Knicks has been absolutely uh, pretty unbelievable. Uh, it, it's pretty hard to ignore what, what he's done this season. He's putting up 30 points a game and 7.8 rebounds a game. I curious to what you think about, about the Knicks turnaround. The Knicks have, before we even talk about the, the, the turnaround they've made in, they've made in basketball, well, actually, no. Yeah, let's start. Let's, I'll start with that. The turnaround they've made in basketball has been so. What this has just been a COVID year, and I, and I thought we were always in the twilight zone when I found out that the Knicks are doing well because I, I paid them no mind at the beginning of the season. I wasn't even concerned about the Knicks at all. And so, but I when, when they first hit there, I think when they hit that uh, when they got to five on there, what I think it ended up being like a nine game winning streak. Um. When they got to five, five wins straight, I was like, hold on, what, what's going on in New York? You know, because all I was concerned about was Brooklyn. And so not only has Julius Randle gave the Knicks some dignity back, not just on the court, some respect on the court, but like socially, like people kind of respect the Knicks a little bit. You know, people are actually like, I don't want to say checking for them because you still have the stepson to Brooklyn right at this point, but there's something, there's something to talk about now when they used to not be. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, you know, the, the, you know, I think, I think the right way to put it is like, we know Julius Randall's for real now. I think with this time with the Pelicans um, and even back with the Lakers, when they were tanking, all of his numbers seem to just go under the radar because he seemed to be the only one, only uh, the only talent on the floor. I think, you know, I, I know it's cliche, the hustle factor that Thibodeau, the, 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 the hustle mindset that Thibodeau uh, has this team in, especially on the defensive end. It, it's really worked. I think Julius, not only Julius Randall, but I think having a guy like Derek Rose, uh, who Thibodeau uh, Absolutely. coached back in Chicago, um, you know, there's something to be said about a, a team that gathers, you know, gathers around each other and, and comes together. I think it's it's a similar case, uh, you know, with the Suns and and they've they have a little more talent on the floor than the Knicks, but uh, you know, I, I I like I think this team needed Tom Thibodeau. I know there was a lot of questions with what he could put together on the offensive end, uh, but but I think he's really done some good for this team as a kind of a throwback defensive coach. Yeah. And to speak to, like you said, a defensive coach, um, what the Knicks are doing is similar to what the, what we thought of the Heat, Miami making it to the finals this past season. Not necessarily a group you would think that would make it, not necessarily a group full of extraordinary, you know, otherworldly talent. Um, Like you have select or special stars like you have with the Phoenix Suns, but you have just a group of guys who can just make it work. They just they just make it work, and you can't really speak to exactly what it is. But and uh, like you were saying, Tom Thibodeau has just he's found the right formula for the for the right guys, and that's a harder thing to do for even the most experienced coaches, 
right? We see a guy, we see coaches that spend years with teams and never figure it out. Then they have to uh, almost scapegoat some guys just to get some new guys and try to make it work with them. And they never end up working anyway. So to see Tom Thibodeau do this with the Knicks, who have been, I won't even say a laughing stock. A laughing stock means you talk about them. Just an irrelevant team in the NBA for a while, for the past few years, and make them become something, you know, is is like it's just beyond. I have, I really did. I like I say, Will, I kid you not, I was not concerned about the Knicks. Like they, then I never even uttered their name whenever I spoke about basketball ever. Even even talking about trash teams in the East, I never even talked about them. Yeah, especially after the draft, uh, when they when they drafted Obi Toppin out of Daytona. Uh, I don't even I don't have his stats up in front of me, but he is like twenty eight. Uh, he was twenty seven coming out of the draft, so that was a little concerning to me. And especially a big man that can't shoot. They're you know, uh, I don't really care what Kendrick Perkins says. They're pretty much done. But to stay to just touch up to finish up on the Knicks. Uh, so they're in fourth in the East and uh, a game and a half in front of the Hawks. So they, uh, I mean, they're they're pretty much in. And speaking of the Hawks, and of course I'm sitting here bashing on big men that can't shoot. Uh, a former Rocket, Clint Capella, is really putting in some work uh, for the Hawks. Absolutely. Um, we, we don't have to get too much into that this episode, but I think before we, we leave this uh this nba segment i think it's with the struggles that boston's having if if they face the hawks in the first round i think boston's in big trouble boston is i don't even know what what to say about them really they i had such high hopes for them in the beginning of the season and then they've kind of become this kind of pedestrian team like okay we've we've seen jason tatum take off for a few games you know when he reached his career high with uh i think he broke his career high i think twice um one with, a, uh, I think, a 50-point game, and another was, um, if I remember, was it a 60-point game? Or no, was, was it just a 50? No, he, he, have... he dropped 60 last week, you're right, yeah. yeah. He, he dropped 60. And so, I mean, even with those, they're kind of, without, like, many explosions, you know, that players have, like, you know, during the season like that, they were, some players would just explode and have just a phenomenal game. They're still a pretty pedestrian team. Like, the, the Celtics... They sh- there's no reason they shouldn't be number two in the East. Like I, I, I always had, I always thought Philly. Uh, sh- I used to think Philly should be better than them, but Philly is st- looking at them play. They're still an incomplete team. Uh, ben Simmons is holding them back by not having a jumper. So, um, with that being said, there's no reason that the Celtics. I, there's no reason that I shouldn't feel like that. The Celtics couldn't handle Philly. Yeah, and I think I think there's two there's two things with Boston that stand out to me. One is it's easy to say now. Uh, Kimba Walker has not panned out. No three ball, and and doesn't play. He, they, he, they don't get out of him on the defensive side uh, what they should. I think the second is obviously Brad Stevens, um, but I think he's been forced to roll with Kimba uh, at point. I just I don't think I think if the if the Celtics are one and done uh, in this playoff, some major changes are gonna have. Uh, oh, gonna can, have you re- can you repeat that one more time? Yeah, no, I said if. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I hear you. Okay, okay, yeah, little uh, connection there, there, but uh, you know, I, I just think if 
I think if the Celtics are one and done this year, I think some some pretty big changes are gonna have to be made. Um, I, I'm just seeing the rest of the East make some little more advanced moves that I'm not seeing the Celtics make. Like, for instance, today today the Knicks signed uh, Luca Vildoza, a guy who a name that's obviously not known in the states yet, uh, but he's one of the top premier player makers from Europe. Um, you know. These are the guys that you have to go find, especially this wasn't a drafted guy that went out and signed him. So uh, I think if the Celtics can find someone to run the point and uh, just be a better combination with 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 Tatum and and uh, and and Jalen Brown, I, I just think I think Kemba feels like he has to be too big of a piece than he really needs to be. That's one thing we could talk about with Kemba is that. I think the thing that hurt him back in Charlotte uh, was that Kimba's a solo player. He was even like that in college. Never played with anyone. You're right. Yeah. He's always been a solo player. He's always been the guy. Yeah. And not saying that Kimba's not a great player because he is, but he's almost transitioned in college. I, you know, I, obviously when he came out of college, I will, I thought he was the uh, best player in college um, his year that he came out, but he's, He's almost because of his injuries. He's almost transitioned from, in my own opinion, from just a a solid team player to a solid, somewhat of a a playmaker kind of player. Is that uh, for no, those? Who need, yeah, yeah. For for, the, for those who need clarity, a player of people who can mesh well with other, just mesh well with teammates, and they flow right into the system, you know, and they can still thrive in that. Playmakers are guys who really can't abide within a system. It's either their way they get either thrive in their own game or not at all. So, and that's what I think has become of Kimba Walker. Yeah, and I, I think um, you know if if listeners are still trying to to set a picture, I think if you look at the Brandon the Brandon Ingram situation in New Orleans, it's 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 a bit of a good comparison. Uh, yeah, it's I, nice. I, it's good. It's good. I, I will say. Brandon's a lot younger and obviously has a lot of basketball left uh, and, and kind of has more as far as a type of player, a little bit more KD type potential can definitely pop it from the three uh, from, from three better. But the point is, uh, you know, Brandon Ingram and Zion are having a really tough time meshing together. Now, whether that's uh, because of Stan Van Gundy and, and his, you know, coaching ways that I'm, I'm not sure how, uh, he's still an NBA coach, uh, but yeah, Brandon Ingram and, and Zion Williamson are having a really tough time playing together uh, to create a winning formula. It's more of a, a back and forth, like you know, here, you know, he, you know, it's it's a it's a back and forth rather than like you said, players coming together uh, type flow. Uh, so 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 that's kind of the situation in the East, you know, but. By the time you know, by the time we record next week, let's say it's Wednesday, May fifth. Uh, by the time we record next week, uh, I think we should be at the start of the play-in. Let me look. No, no, we we'll have one more week. We'll have one more week to discuss the play-in tournament. Uh, starts May eighteenth uh, through the twenty-first. And just re- just a quick review of the plan: teams with the seventh highest, the the seventh highest through the tenth highest winning percentages, 
uh, and each conference uh, will qualify to determine the seventh and eighth seeds. Uh, so lots to look forward to an NBA. We're coming to the, to the home stretch. I think one last thing to finish on NBA. I'm just looking to have like healthy super teams uh, together. Hopefully what I'm really thinking is going to happen with like LeBron and AD and Harden is like, these guys are going to come back to the playoffs and just be completely rested. It doesn't turn out. They're even hurt. Uh, you know, they're just, they're just, uh, Resting for the playoffs. And that's really all I want, too. I want healthy, stupid teams because we've just been deprived of that all regular season. And so... It's been really bad. Yeah. For some of these players, I know they can do it. Um, And I don't want to be the guy to say it. (laughs) um, LeBron has looked somewhat just off. You know, I feel like he's not completely back from his injury. And we, you know, he's, he's, he's not back bottom line. He's, he's going to be out for another like week or two. Yeah. And so for him, you know, whenever he comes, when, when he comes back, it's, we're not, we're, we're us as basketball fans. We're just not used to seeing LeBron one injured and then his game somewhat. And, you know, think even him come back from injury, he's still a great player. He's still, uh, Still one of the best players on the court, but it look, it just looks like he, he has he's trying a little bit harder. You know his game isn't coming just as easy, and um, I don't know, man. For the for the playoffs, I, I I really hope that not just for LeBron, but a lot of these other guys, a lot of these other superstars, like of course like Harden, um, KD. Uh, I just yeah, even even Donald Mitchell Donald Mitchell's back. I just hope that these guys stay healthy. That's really all I'm hoping. They they stay healthy and their game can flow naturally so we can get like a good healthy playoff run. Yeah, and I think to be to be totally fair to LeBron, I think he was trying to make a full run at the MVP. I think there is real concern uh with that ankle. Probably just playing it safe. LeBron knows best. He's um, you know, a lot like Tom Brady in a lot of senses, even though LeBron mm-hmm. said last week that he'll never be a hundred percent again in his life, uh, which I think got a lot of criticism. I think that's understandable for a 36 year old basketball player. Yeah. You know, I, I think, I think the average fan just thinks that they, uh, you know, that body hasn't taken near the wear and tear that it actually has. Yeah. No, I think that was a fair assessment by LeBron. LeBron's just being honest about himself and, um, for the fans, I think he's he's might just you know he's been a little over the top with it. I mean, he like I said, he's a 36 year old athlete um, who's who hardly ever misses games. He's averaged the most minutes since almost his inception into the NBA. And so, like I said, he was just, he was yeah just yeah. Honest. LeBron will do LeBron. <laughs> LeBron will do LeBron, and he deserves the kind of trust. He deserves that trust. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. He can take care of himself. He's shown he's done it time and time again. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up our uh, our NBA segment. Um, next week, obviously, we, our our NBA segment will be tailored around the the play in and uh, obviously how the 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 M, the NBA MVP uh, picture finishes up. But uh, we'll be right back with uh, some NFL draft review um, and specifically some of the Texans. So uh, we'll be right back. Follow us on the Break Room H O U and it's. Uh, Twitter on the break, the break Room HOU and on Instagram at the.breakroom.podcast. And also, you can now follow us on Facebook. Follow us at the Break Room, po- uh, the break room Podcast. So, all your episodes will be there. And, you know, follow us and tune in. Yep. <laughs>
go rate and subscribe. Uh, yeah, rate and subscribe as well uh, uh, on iTunes and Spotify. That yellow Lambo outside, but when I trapped in the sun, they green Ferraris in that side when I couldn't make bun. I gave a plug to my, I gave the gain to my sons. Okay, we're back in the break room yeah. podcast here. We just wrapped up our MV, our NBA MVP talk, uh, and, and a little uh, NBA standings heading into the play in tournament here in about two weeks. We're going to transition over to some football. Uh, we're not going to do an overload of NFL draft review, but we'll, we'll kind of keep it local. Uh, and discuss some of the some of the moves the Texans made, uh, and, and then some some other draft selections, particularly in the AFC South, for all the Houston listeners out there. And we'll touch up on some uh, some of the higher picks more around the league. Uh, so let's start off with the Texans, Charles. Uh, I'll run down the list and kind of get your. Uh, opinion. We'll, we'll start with the first two. So round three, uh, third pick, we picked Davis Mills, a quarterback, Stanford. Uh, round three, pick 25. We picked Nico Collins, uh, wide receiver from Michigan. Uh, and then round, fr- round five, third pick, uh, we picked Brevin Jordan, uh, tied in from Miami. Uh, round five, pick 26, Garrett Wallow linebacker from TCU and round six pick 11 Roy Lopez a defensive tackle uh out of Arizona okay we'll we'll start we'll you know we'll start with the obvious we'll start with Davis Mills quarterback um Davis Mills there's I understand nothing about that pick um he started I believe 13 games so a very limited sample size of um of infant like just information you have of him in the game so that's a loaded QB room loaded you have four quarterbacks and suspend there's so many other things that Texas could have went to but your (laughs) your first pick you go quarterback you what so uh, I know many of you probably watched the draft and you probably saw a lot of the uh, commentators and analysts were saying that they were baffled and they believed that this is leading to the departure of Deshaun Watson, right? It has to. There's no other reason you would pick a quarterback first in the, you know, your first pick in the second round, you go quarterback. So, but with Davis Mills, it's okay. He's definitely a developmental project, right? But there's, for me, the first person I see starting, even with all Deshaun's, if, if he stays, which I doubt he will, but if he's still here, he's definitely going to miss some games. Whether he, uh, he doesn't, uh, the civil lawsuits don't, he's not found guilty, or if or if he is, he's definitely going to probably miss some games anyway. So I believe Tyrod Tyler is going to start. He's going to start for however many games he's suspended. And Tyrod Taylor, even though the league pretty much knows what he is and what he can even, the, the best of his abilities, what he can do in his best days, it's still pretty limited, but you know what you're getting, and he's not a bad quarterback. You know what I mean? He's he's not Fitz Magic, but uh, he's still he can still get you some wins. Granted, you had Deshaun Watson; you only had four wins, but he'll give you something. You know what I mean? I if the if the Texans were to tank and not win any games with Tyrod Taylor as their quarterback, and you know Deshaun wasn't present, 
I, me myself, I couldn't be mad at that. I couldn't be mad because it's like Tyrod isn't a, isn't a horrible quarterback. He's proven he can he can still play, and um, he's a competent guy, and he he is a quarterback in the NFL. Now, my, go ahead, Will. No, 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 no. You, you keep it going. No, oh, and so with Mills, it's is he a collegiate quarterback? Yes, um, he's played thirteen games. Okay, is do I think he's better than Tyrod? Um, do I think he has the potential to be better than Tyrod? Uh, you know, usually with a quarterback, when you go a quarterback with your first pick, it's because you either think he can be better than your current quarterback or you think he can become better than your current quarterback. Now, I'm no I'm no GM. I'm no head coach. I'm no assistant coach. I'm no <laughs> – I'm a <laughs> – look, I'm an analyst. <laughs> so, for me, from what I've seen – I don't think he's going to be better than Tyrod. I definitely don't think he's a, a Deshaun Watson. So that pick baffles me. I don't understand it at all. What do you, What did you think, Will? Yeah, uh, I was shocked. Uh, I think once again, cliche in the Houston sports market, but we just we could have used the pick a whole lot better. Um, I think we have so much work to do on the defensive side that we could have started there this year. And let's be honest, just tank for the number one pick next year. I, I mean, everyone was so gung-ho on how, how there's going to be three to five uh, quarterbacks in this draft. They're going to be superstars, which I don't dis- – look, it could happen, but when has that happened in the past? We're going to get one or two. Uh, one or two of these guys are going are, are gonna to be uh, you know, long-term NFL starters uh, and – you know, to go with Davis Mills, I thought wasn't the smartest idea. Uh, you know, you might as well just listen to Vegas if you're Nick Casario or Cal McNair really? uh, when you're trying to figure out what to do with this team. Vegas has us at, uh, you know, over under three and a half wins next year. You're not going to get anything um, out of this team simply because you don't even have a defense to kind of try to glue everything together. You know, we've seen good defenses. Uh, you know, we, we've, we've seen good, good defensive carry quarterbacks, you know, Peyton Manning with the Broncos. You could even make a case that it happened with Tom Brady last year. Um, kind of got off track there with why we didn't, why the bottom line is this wasn't the year to go draft a quarterback, you know, like you're, it not, wasn't. Getting, you're not getting the, the good crop. Um, you know, you already have a quarterback with a very small sample size and Trey Lance, um, and, and the Texans kind of got the, the second one in that nature. Um, you know, you, so, you went out for a second, my bad. Uh, so the, the, you know, there was already the, the giants already picked, uh, one QB, not the giants, the 49ers picked a QB with a small sample size, uh, and Trey Lance. And it's kind of the same story, except less for Davis Mills. who I think he's older than Trey Lance, uh, uh, Davis Mills is 22. We'll have, to, we'll have to look up how old Trey Lance is. I don't know exactly. Uh, but just 11 career starts. Uh, you know, I, I, we, you said 13 or 14. That's actually on me because before the, uh, before the segment, I said 14. He actually only started 11 games. You know, I, I think yeah. there's something. Trey Lance is 20. Okay. So yeah, two years older than Trey Lance. Uh, it's a lot of football. I think there's something to be said about what you said that 
he could be kind of kind of coming into his own. Um, here's the thing. We're, we're going to talk about this when we hit on Mac Jones, but uh, a play, a quarterback that can't do anything with his legs will simply not work in Houston anymore because of how inept management is. Uh, you know, it, it's one thing to combine Mac Jones with Bill Belichick and, and, um, in New England simply because he's been doing he he has been working with that style of quarterback for for over 20 22 years now and has obviously been making it work uh, you know we're we're coming in here with a a coach uh like David Coley who's I don't think ever worked with anything uh you know close to Davis Mills I, I guess it'll be Tim Kelly but I'm just, I'm not, I, I think to, to leave the Davis Mills conversation, I'm, I'm not, I think, I think it was a terrible selection. Uh, I don't, I, I think we should have drafted, you know, one of, one of the, the better defensive players on the board. I'm not sure where, where to even start somewhere on the secondary. The fact, somewhere. That, the fact of the matter is we're not going to win more than three games this year and we should be. Uh, just trying to lose every game so we can get Spencer Rattler from OU next year. Yeah, no, we can both agree on the that Mills pickup was just so. That's stupid. Use your common sense. It, you ever seen Star Wars? Will so I have. Are you I familiar just, with I, the story? I, I, I'm familiar. No, I'm, I'm very familiar with the story. I just I couldn't like tell you which uh, which which movie in the in the series is which. That's fine. That's fine. All you got to do is be familiar with the story. So you're familiar with the the emperor, you know, being the puppet master behind the scenes and just he's pitting two sides against each other. Right. So with all these bad picks, these bad business, uh, business decisions, you you pick a, uh, in my opinion, like I I hope David Cully has a, a great career. I really hope he does. He was an older guy in his first coaching job, but you pick a relatively unaccomplished coach. Uh, you pick a GM who's really a, a solid uh, GM pick, but you overpay him. I think you made him the third highest paid GM in the league. You pick up all these other guys from other teams, injury, injury guys, and give them a bunch of one-year deals. And then for your second-round pick, um, for your second-round pick, you go a, to a relatively unaccomplished quarterback. <laughs> Sensational. With a small sample size, and your starting quarterback wants to leave. Oh, and let's throw in some civil suits on his name as well. With a no trade clause, it, it just feels like uh, this. The team is just in such uh, like a dumpster fire right now. It just feels like this was all set up by the evil mastermind. And I hate to bring him back up because he's probably somewhere chilling on his couch right now, uh, or somewhere in Alabama. Uh, but Bill O'Brien is just playing puppet master and, you know, just kind of wiggling his fingers above. And, uh, yeah, since I ruined a little bit, I'm going to ruin it even more and give him, you know, just just make it hell. Just turn Texas into just the worst thing uh, ever in the NFL franchise. Yeah, well, <laughs> O'Brien's definitely, uh, you know, I think we talked about it last week, but uh, O'Brien's OC at Alabama now. He's going to go win a couple national championships with Saban and then cash out on another head coaching job back to back to Davis Mills. Yeah. I feel like it was one of those picks, obviously a 
inept business decision. It's one of those picks like you see Cal calling the OC at Stanford and just them talking about how Davis Mills is just like a really smart guy. Uh, and that's all they talk about, and that's enough for Cal. That's stupid. Use your common sense. To draft him. I mean, not bad by any means, but I mean, his, his NFL comparison is Jarrett Stidham. So, I mean, we know, we know how that works. But, um, you know, I'm really hoping that Tyrod, Tyrod uh, starts the season. I, I think um, we, we know what he is, uh, of course. You know, I, I'm hoping that Tyrod Taylor is the is the starter uh, for Houston uh, come week one. I, I, you know, I guess our best chance of losing is uh, is to start Davis Mills, but. Just looking back at some of Tyrod's good seasons, most of them came in Buffalo. Uh, you know, 2015 had a had a 20 touchdown and, and six interception year. Uh, followed that up in 2016 with 17 touchdowns and six interceptions, and then in 2017, uh, 14 touchdowns, four picks. Uh, you know, but anyways, how that matches up with the draft is I think we did get Tyrod pending. If he's our starter, I think we got him some okay weapons, um, some new guys, Brevin Jordan, uh, who we picked in the, in the fifth round. Uh, th- this, this is kind of the high profile pick. I feel like for the Texans, the Texans needed, um, you know, they need, I guess they need a ton of weapons everywhere, but the tight end position is something that I feel like in the past, you know, it's been since we had Owen Daniel uh, that we, we had a yeah. really good tight end and they just, they mean so much in today's schemes, um, especially to have someone as fast as Brevin. They, I mean, his nickname speedy. Um, and I think to have that nickname at the U uh, and Miami is pretty special. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, uh, but anyways, no Brevin Jordan tight end, extremely athletic guy. I mean, I, I just, I looked at some of his tape. I don't see, I don't see much weakness with the guy at all. I mean, I just feel like it's everything you want out of a, uh, a tight end in 2021. Yeah. I think I, I didn't see, you know, I looked at some of the uh, Brevin's tape and uh, I didn't see many weaknesses. It's just a ton of athleticism. Um, hands are a bit of a struggle. Um, had, had some, some issues with, uh, you know, jump ball contested catch situations, but he already has the intangible, which is the athleticism. So I don't think it's anything that he can't grow into at the, at the pro level. I have big, I think I have pretty big expectations for, for Brevin Jordan. Okay. So, I mean, um, hopefully he can live up to it, uh, playing with the Texans. So, because they need everything, every bit of drop of hope, talent uh, they can they can get. Uh, so yeah, moving on to we we skipped over Nico Collins. So Brevin was drafted in the fifth round. Nico Collins, wide receiver from Michigan, was drafted in the third round. His pre-draft report had him around the third round. Um, I, I think this is going to be a, a a good fit for Houston. Uh, we don't obviously have a lot of recent tape on him because he, he was another opt out, uh, but. I think overall pretty solid. This was a really deep wide receiver class. So I think he probably didn't get slept on, probably went around where he should. And I think it's going to be a good addition for, for the Texans. But like, like I said, with Brevin, we need weapons. 
No, absolutely. And um, going well, where he did in the draft, usually first, first, second round, you know, people always say that your first round ought to be guys you ought to see being potential Hall of Famers. Uh, your second round guys is people you can normally see. You can see them being all pro guys. Your third round is kind of when you slip into, you know, uh, good players, maybe not all pro, maybe not all of fame, but they're good players and so on and so forth. With Nico Collins, um, and then, well, let me backtrack a little bit. So with your first round, people typically go, you can see them being great players and great playmakers. I talked about this with the NBA a little bit. You can kind of break up great players and great playmakers. They aren't necessarily the same. So with Nico Collins, I believe, uh, just for me and my own opinion, I believe that he's a playmaker kind of guy. Not saying he's not a good teammate, but because it's a little different in football, you have to be able to fit into a system to even be on the field and to make a play work. But with Nico Collins being a playmaker, meaning, meaning that he can be your catalyst for a spark that you might need offensively. A lot of what we saw with DeAndre Hopkins being a great player and a great uh, playmaker, DeAndre Hopkins make impossible catches in the most inopportune times. Nico Collins, I believe, is one of those guys who who will, if you're down and something happens, and he'll be the he'll be that one receiver who just burns his corner, and then just be out deep. He won't be your guy that he'll dig out the linebacker or anything like that. But he can be your playmaker guy, somebody you just need to when the time is when you need him at that time, you know, so a number you 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 can call on. That's who I see Nico Collins being for the Houston Texans. Yeah, and I I think I don't even think we've gotten really a full look at at what Nico Collins could be. Uh so he's 6'4" 215, great frame. Um I think he's been well, I know he's been I mean the the, st- the stats back it up. He's been played with just awful QBs at Michigan. Um, and not to say that's going to change in Houston uh, with how the Deshaun Watson situation is looking like. I, I it's got to be any day now, any week that we find out that he's going to be sus- that he's going to be suspended for the season. And it's you know it, it's there's been no you know that there there has been a report since the police and um, and all that. It's going to be simply based off the fact that Deshaun Watson is, has has paid for sex. That's it's uh it's, I think it, you know, it's clear now. I think Rusty Harden even um, stated it uh, to to distinguish that between assault. Uh, but anyway, we we don't have any new news on, on that. But the 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 point the point is, I think I think I think Nico Collins was a good pick, but I think he's probably going to suffer from from a bad QB and a bad system uh, here in Houston for. I know this year, and unless you know, we make some major changes and uh, and hopefully lose out and, and get Spencer Rattler, then you know it could turn out to be a really good pick. Yeah, but um, moving on from uh, Nico Collins onto like topics we saw in the draft. What, who do you think, as far as the, like I said, as far as the topics, who do you, what QBs do you think will like be likely to start and have the most success? Uh, well, I think to 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 start, it's got to be uh, it's got to be the Patriots and Mac Jones. Yeah, I think the 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 team with the best QB and uh, well, the Q the QB that's going to come in and and make the most of a change. Um, and this is this is 
you know, when I, when I talk about this, it's based off the system. Um, you know, I, it'd be easy for me to sit here and say Trevor Lawrence is going to be the most successful, but I, I'm already questioning, uh, what urban Meyer is doing there. So I, you know, I think it's going to take longer. I think, uh, I think Mac Jones and Patriots is going to be, um, in, in the most, uh, win now situation. Um, and I think a lot of people got fooled. I mean, I got fooled, uh, with the, the pre-draft talk that Mac was going to go to the, uh, the, the 49ers, but, um, no, I mean, Mac's been knocked a lot for, for, uh, his inability to scramble outside of the pocket, like, uh, maybe some of the other QBs in the draft, but I, I won their first off just the, the, the obvious there's not a better arm in the draft. Um, and, and two, which is extremely underlooked in the NFL and what a lot of teams have screwed up on with their picks is not drafting uh, a QB who gets the ball out fast enough. Uh, Mac Jones, there's not a QB in this draft who, who gets it out of his hand quicker than Mac Jones. And three, he just, he feels all pressure in the pocket just because um, you know, he can't take off like, you know, your, your fastest QB in the league. Uh, let's just say it's probably, yeah, it's probably Lamar Jackson. Um, it doesn't mean he can't feel pressure to avoid uh, the pocket crashing into him. Um, I think these are some things that are getting really underlooked, but I think there was, if there's a QB, he's going to come in and, and, and the mindset's going to be win now uh, the fastest it's going to be, it's going to be the Patriots simply because, uh, he's going into a system that was built for him. Okay. And you were talking about something, well, you were talking about something earlier with um, being deemed, well, having legs and not having legs. Like, what did you think about that, QBs with him and without him? Yeah, no, I think it's a huge, no, don't get me wrong, I think it's a huge part of the game moving forward. I, I just think um, we saw some picks kind of later in the draft. Um, I, I, you know, I guess everyone needs a, a good backup QB, but like to see, uh, to see Ian Book get drafted, to see even a Kellen Mond get drafted, uh, to see a Sam Ellinger getting drafted. These guys are are not getting drafted because of their arms. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, to look at, it's tough to even find comps at uh, arm, uh, arm comparisons with Kellen Mond and, and Ian Book. They're just so bad at throwing. Um you know, I want to say it would be something like Ryan Mallett, except, you know, Ryan Mallett had a lot of zip on it. Guys like Kellen and Ian Book have no zip and no accuracy. They're throwing behind receivers. So I just think it. I, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle on whether this league is going to, like, if you can't, can you be a quarterback moving forward without legs? I think the Patriots are obviously one of the last mm. systems that, that are that is built for a, a a pocket passer per se. I mean, Max a pocket passer. There, there's nothing dual threat about him. Uh, but I'm curious. I'm curious. Is is it going to be? Is the NFL going to turn into? Are, are QBs going to turn into running backs in the sense that you're trying to find a guy who has the freshest legs and can just throw a little bit, um, and take him on his rookie deal, and then after four years if someone's foolish enough to pay him, then do that. And then, you know, start looking for your next quarterback. Uh, you know, maybe the window is getting smaller. I don't know. What do you think? 
I think it's a touch of fear of coaches on the coaches end and on the GMs end. What I mean by that is we've seen what running quarterbacks have done immediately for teams. Lamar Jackson, RG3, Cam Newton. Uh, these style of quarterbacks we've seen um, who've had their running ability was just on a different level. Cam obviously wasn't as fast as the other two, but he was so big that way he could just roll, he could just run over linebackers. And so the point I'm getting to is I think that the, your time in the league as a coach, GM, in the front office, because I, I, we spoke about this a, a while back. I can't remember what episode, but we spoke about uh, the league slowly. It hasn't yet. It hasn't become the NBA, but it's slowly becoming more uh, leaning towards the player side. Players can kind of dictate. They have. A, they start to gain a little bit more momentum in saying where they would like to go. And so, with that being said, your time as coaches or GM, anything being in the front office, you're losing a little power. So you need to be able to win immediately. We've seen quarterbacks with leg change teams immediately um, because defense have a hard, defense have a hard time accounting for a quarterback, especially a mobile one, especially ones that you've never seen. And so now with um, the ones that you've mentioned, Kellen Mond and um, some of those other guys, they don't have otherworldly running abilities like we've seen, like with Lamar Jackson, RG three, and Cam Newton. It's not. It's not that. So, and um, and, and one thing to touch, I, I'm gonna let you finish that. But they're also not going into systems that are gonna help them. Kellen's going to Minnesota with Mike Zimmer. Yeah, I mean, you can finish it off, but not going anywhere that's gonna that that's gonna help them out. You know, so, yeah. such as Dak going to the Cowboys. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, something like that. Yeah, and so. Quarterbacks that we've seen right now, these dual threat quarterbacks like Trevor Lawrence is a dual threat. Uh, Justin Fields is dual threat. Uh, uh, Trey Lance, dual threat. These guys, these guys are actually going into, I can't say, I don't know what Urban Meyer is going to do with Jacksonville. But um, as far as uh, going, just going back to the question, um, what quarterback do I think is most likely to start and have the most success? I think um, it's actually Justin Fields. I, I, I'm kind of excluding, like I said, I'm, I'm excluding uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I'm excluding him because I don't know what they're going to do with Jen Jackson or with Urban Meyer. But um, Justin Fields, just because what he's going to. Now, the, I don't necessarily love the Bears. They went eight and eight these past two, uh, the past two seasons, but they have a great, uh, they have a great defense. Um, this is a kind of off year for them. I think they were ranked uh, in the more so the bottom half of the uh, league as far as the, I think they were like in the 20, somewhere between the 21st and 25th ranked defense in the league. And so, uh, but before that, last year they were ranked number four. And so we know they have the potential to be a great defense. And then also he's going, he's going to have a thousand yard receiver in Allen Robinson the second. And so I think, with his ability to run, and we've seen the kind of spark that provides for offense, especially like quarterbacks' first year in the league. And then you having a great receiver in Allen Robinson, I believe that's a that's a pretty good combination for some pretty good success. I'm not saying I'm not gonna sit here and say they're gonna make the playoffs, but I, I do believe they have the best chance for the most success with this new uh quarterback. 
Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I think you have a really good point with that. Looking uh, kind of around the uh, around the NFC North, you know, the competition is it really falls on the shoulders of Aaron Rodgers at the end of the day. Uh, yeah. Because we know what the Vikings are. The Vikings are only so much with Mike Zimmer. Uh, it's uh, put it this way. It's nothing Nagy and, and Fields, I think, can't get around. Uh, and Fields is going into a great defense, uh, which, you know, we, we know what that does. It, it just, you know, Trubisky was so bad, I, I think. And Fields is obviously so underlooked with the Ohio State narrative and, and whatever that is. Uh, but I, I think Ryan Pace and and Nagy, you know, the, the, the rumor around the league is that he's not going to be, you know, they're, they're going to work him in there, maybe not starting week one. Uh, I think he, I, I kind of disagree. I think he's going to be starting, and I think you're right. I think he is going to make an immediate impact. Obviously, with Allen Robinson, um, I think they also got a, a pretty big uh, a sleeper in Daz Newsome. Uh, from North yep. Carolina, one of Sam Howell's like prime targets. Uh, they got him in the sixth round uh, late. So I, I think, you know, between the fact that he, you know, if Aaron uh, Rodgers leaves Green Bay, you know, they're, they're left with, uh, you know, you know, there's talk about Jordan Love, but it's Aaron has done something, has had an, a, a really special run considering he's with an organization that is just horrendous. <laughs> but anywho. And and, and, and a lot of that has to do with the draft while we're here. Uh, the Packers have selected defensive players with 11 uh, of their last 15 years of first-round draft. No, sorry, 11 of the last 12 uh, wow. first-round draft picks have been used on defensive players. Besides Jordan Love, a quarterback, and I think there's just a, a bit uh, a huge level of disrespect uh, that there were signs that the Packers were starting to give up on Aaron when he's really only 35 years old. And considering where we are in sports 2021, you know, if, if Aaron's 35 and or 36 now, I'm playing like this, uh, and Tom Brady has has brought his career well into his 40s, I see no reason why. Uh, Aaron can't Aaron can't do the same. Uh, and I think he's looking at the situation that Tom went in and, and thinking, you know, how can I do the same? Um, so finishing on, on, uh, on Justin Fields, listen, he only has to get through probably a, a Aaron Rodgers list, Green Bay Packers, uh, the lions who are probably 10 years out and Minnesota Vikings, uh, who, I think they've won one game in prime time with uh, Aaron Ro- or uh, Kirk, Kirk Cousins and and Mike Zimmer. But on to the Packers and Aaron Rodgers conversation uh, with him departing, probably departing from the, the NFC North. I think the most obvious situation that he wants to move to is the Denver Broncos. What do you think? No, I definitely agree with that. Um, I'm just not sure exactly how it would take place. That, that definitely, that sounds like a great landing spot for him, but I'm not sure how the, uh, exactly what are the, uh, what the Packers look, looking to get from, because what would, 
and this is just a question, because um, like I said, I, I know you've been kind of following um, this Aaron Rodgers and this, uh, this idea for him with the Broncos. And so if you can help enlighten, help enlighten me a little bit, I'm trying to see what the Broncos would be willing to give up that wouldn't destroy them. Yeah, so there's actually been some drama uh, going down with the situation. There's been the Packers have uh, kind of semi-attempted to file tampering charges on uh, the 49ers and the Broncos. Uh, You know, the 49ers is obviously another interesting location for Aaron to land simply because he's he's from that area. Uh, Obviously, we know he's starting to host Jeopardy a little bit. I think this is kind of where he would like his career to go. I mean, who wouldn't want to uh, finish the ride uh, at, at home in, in California? But uh, I think you, you're asking what the package would look like to get Aaron. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it would take, it would take a, I'd say two first rounders and a second at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as, as long as Denver didn't have to give up any of their receiving core um, and, and no major P I mean, as I think as long as there's no players involved, players on the, on on the current roster, maybe besides some, you know, if they, if, if they wanted role players thrown in there um, you know, you can go give away picks and still have a win now team with Aaron Rodgers for the next like four to five years. Um, and and a large majority of that has to do with kind of them getting the job done, um, on the defensive side, uh, in this draft, they got Patrick Sertan, um, in the first round. And, and I circled a lot of teams, uh, that if Sertan went to, it would suddenly, uh, you know, throttle them into a a win. Now, I just think he's that kind of quarterback. Um, I think he has Jalen Ramsey potential, maybe even more, I, I think, uh, he really has a chance to develop an island in the NFL, but you know, back to Aaron Rodgers, I I just think they they had such, the Broncos really had a good draft getting you know Kerry Vincent Jr. the cornerback from LSU um, early in the seventh round. Um, I, you know, th- th- this is a team that that I think if if you're uh, I know John Elway is still ma- still making the moves. I know they've got another GM now. Uh, uh, calling the plays on the roster end. Uh, but I think you've kind of, you've done the work to, to make this a really complete team. Um, drafted a running back in the second round, which I don't like, but it's Javante Williams from North Carolina, really solid runner. Uh, so you might as well go all in now. So let's say if you're looking at a four to five year plan um, from a, from a running back situation, you get Aaron, you have, um, obviously him and Williams together for four to five years and you ship off Williams and maybe, uh, maybe Aaron's time in Denver is done. Uh, but, uh, what, what are your comments on that? As far as that package now, um, I think that would be the best thing that could happen for Denver. Only thing is it wouldn't be very super advantageous for, um, uh, for Green Bay, because like if I'm Green Bay and you have Jordan Love right behind you, uh, right behind Aaron Rodgers, I would definitely add um, just one receiver, just one. Well, just one. Of course, some draft picks, but um, 
Yeah, definitely add them soup. Just to just to really just almost overload on what you already have. And so, um, also what you were saying about them drafting a running back, it does seem like now is the time for the Broncos. If you if if you can get Aaron Rodgers, if it's like really, if you can kind of, it's kind of tangible. That's like some real hope there. Oh, do it. Do, almost give whatever they're asking for. Just about because, like you said, if you have him, you definitely have a winning season. This and it's hardly in a doubt about that. There aren't very many guarantees in the NFL, but it's almost a guarantee. If you have him, you have a winning season. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, yes, I I think I think you know the the the. I think Aaron Rodgers to Denver would would make the most sense as far as uh, chances to win a Super Bowl here in the next four to five years. Um, I know you did a poll on Twitter, uh, the Break Room HOU, if you haven't followed us yet. But yeah, I know Charles did a poll. Um, was it was it a, a Aaron Rodgers Deshaun Watson poll? Yeah, it was uh, Deshaun for Aaron Rodgers for a first trade Deshaun Watson for Aaron Rodgers in a first and second round pick. And uh, the the number breakdown for that we had I think we had uh, forty seven people forty to forty seven to fifty people vote thirty six percent said absolutely forty seven percent said hell no and seventeen percent said it's an interesting it's an interesting deal. Now we're on the spectrum. Do you fall for that? We fall on that wheel. Yeah. Um, well, so today's May fifth. Uh, I think this was. This was between these the, the between the drama between these two quarterbacks, some something's changing every day. Obviously, Deshaun's situation is a lot worse, but uh, I mean, yeah, right now I'm absolutely taking that um, simply because Aaron Rodgers is better than Tyrod and and Davis Mills. Uh, but there is no way that you get Aaron Rodgers to Houston one and two. There's no way you get him here and then uh, build a roster around him quick enough. It, it's almost uh, I, I don't think the Packers defense and definitely, I mean, I know they had a terrible, they didn't have a great defense, uh, but it, I don't, I certainly don't think it's as bad as Houston's. I think, uh, I, I don't think we'd get anything out of them here. Yeah. You think it'd be more of the same as far as like the, uh, the wins go. And, I mean, it'd actually be worse than Deshaun, um, <laughs> you know, but like just pending that, if we assume that Deshaun's getting suspended, which I think he is, then obviously, you know, you're taking Aaron because he's Deshaun's probably done in a Texan uniform. His jerseys are on the sales rack in, in Academy and and everywhere that's selling his jersey, it's on sale. It's on the sale rack. Okay. For me, I think it's interesting just because, well, and I guess to start off with, I think bringing Aaron here and getting the first and second pick would be the first and second pick are really the best parts of the deal. I feel like having Aaron Rodgers is great, but he wouldn't do much for the situation just because the situation is really just that bad. And so if, but I guess the the reason I put it into, into the it's interesting category and the not hell no uh, uh, category is because uh, the drawing factor that superstars have. We've seen it with Tom Brady. Now, I'm not saying that Aaron Rodgers has the pedigree that Tom Brady has, but stars want to play with other stars. I'm, uh, and free agency, we know, is it's becoming more, of more, more and more of a wild thing nowadays. And so the Texas organization itself isn't attractive, but I think Aaron Rodgers is an attractive enough player to counteract that. I'd agree. 
I'd agree. It's uh, it's it's a tough poll, but it's it's really it's really interesting, and we're gonna keep we're gonna keep more of these polls coming on um on the break room HOU. Go follow us on Twitter. That's the break room HOU. But yeah, I think I think it's fun to do these comparison polls. Um, and kind of see where, where listeners stand on this. But uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for us uh, uh, here today. Uh, but we'll be back next week with, with plenty more, um, a lot going into uh, NBA draft. And, and certainly we'll have some – the Astros and Yankees are in the middle of uh, a series right now. The Astros are down uh, 0-2 in that series, uh, not looking great. But we'll, we'll break that down. Uh, next week here on The Break Room. Uh, I'm Will Doctor. That's Charles Carter. Uh, and give us a follow on our social our social media account, Charles. All right, man. We'll see you. We'll see y'all later, man. Appreciate you listening. Yeah. We came a long way, man. We just came a long way. We sitting on top of this...